uh, each year, today is a uh, special day. Today is our Name the Year uh, gathering, and we do this each year. Now, I was planning on putting out some of our other themes from the other years, and I forgot to do it, so uh, maybe another time. But uh, each year, I like for us to have a, a new vision, a new theme for the year. And it's something we can kind of look back upon and, and draw upon. So the theme for 2023 was the year of freedom. And I was really, we were all really excited about that last year, and it was a great year. Uh, this year, um, we have, of course, we're going to have a new theme. And it's always great because it's something for us to get excited about, look forward to, something to anticipate. And I think that uh, some people in our congregation, I think, do look forward to it. Now, some are newer to our congregation, and so you may be like, what is this guy talking about? I kind of heard about that thing last year, but I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and the, for me, I just like to give each year a theme for our congregation, just kind of a, this is what's happening, this is what God's going to be doing in and through us. And I believe that God is always doing a new thing. Did you know that? God is always doing a new thing. God doesn't really do old things. Uh, I know that sometimes it's hard for us to believe. How many of you are a traditionalist, like, you like things the way they are? Like, I can't believe they changed the Timmy's uh, configuration, right? You get upset about stuff like that. Or your other favorite restaurant, it's like, they moved the table. It's been there for 50 years, right? You know, we can all get like that sometimes. Um, but the truth is, when it comes to God, he's always doing a new thing, right? He's all, that's what he does. He always does new things. Our Name the Year Sundays have become something I believe that we look forward to, and I certainly do as well. We do this because of the new thing that God is doing at Northern Life Church. Uh, quite frankly, I don't want us just to do the same things over and over again and just hope for the best. I want us to always be looking forward to the new thing. I realized in preparing for today, I've already kind of mentioned this, that some, a part of our Northern Life Church family may not be familiar with the themes we've had in the past. And uh, we've had a bunch of different themes. Last year was the year of freedom. The year before that was back to life. Uh, the year before that was out of the ashes, we will rise. We had the year of breakthrough. We had the year of harvest. There was a few others. I think this is my seventh time doing this with our church here. So there's was something like seven of them, six or seven of them. Anyways, but this is a new year. Hannah, if you could throw up that next slide for me. This is the year of Jubilee. That's what I believe God is speaking to our congregation this year. And I, I'm really excited about it. This year, I believe the Lord is calling us to rejoice, to be filled with joy because his favor is resting upon us. Now, we're actually going to take a deep dive into what Jubilee means in Scripture. And it's actually a little different than you may think, but there's some great stuff there, I think, for us today that we can uh, look into. But I'm excited about this. This is the year of Jubilee. Even sounds good, right? It's like you come in, it's like, yeah, Jubilee, come on. And uh, isn't there like a dessert like that or something? Or food? I don't know. Anyways... We can't have that right now, can we? I just have a feeling. All right. Okay. We'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Jambalaya. <laughs> oh, we can't have that either right now. All right. I've had that. I know. That's good, though. All right. This, everything seems good to me right now. Anyways, we'll leave that one alone. This year, I believe the Lord is calling us to rejoice. Our scripture theme comes from Luke chapter 4, verse 16. The words will be on the screen for you, and you can read along with me. This is, uh, can you see it? All right. We'll raise money for a new projector because it's, it's going. All right. If you feel led, give towards a new projector. Oh, 
Oh, wow. They turn the lights out. Good stuff. All right. Thank you. You guys are getting fancy back there. Holy smokes. All right. Our scripture theme is from Luke chapter 4. I'll read it if you can't see it. All right. I did my best on this one, just so you know. Uh, but there we go. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So this is Jesus, of course, in the synagogue. All right. Uh, so he stood up and uh, up to read verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set, a, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up, verse 20, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus actually in that moment declares that he is the Messiah to the Jewish people. That's what's up. He is the Messiah. He's saying, I am the Messiah as he reads this passage. I love how they handed him the scroll. They set him up ready to go. And uh, so good. So this is Jesus quoting Isaiah uh, chapter 61 in our passage. Uh, The New King James translates verse 19 to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The New Living Translation uh, uh, translates verse 19 and says, "And and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is actually referring in this passage and specifically in verse 19, he's referring to the year of Jubilee. That's where this all comes from. In verse 19, which is, it's actually drawn from Leviticus chapter 25. Now, I don't speak a lot from Leviticus, but I'm going to give it a go today. There's a lot of uh, laws and stuff like that in Leviticus, and people get a little scared. So, uh, and it's Old Testament law, so it's not really applicable to us. Uh, But it's it's all applicable. You know what I'm saying? Uh, We have Jesus. Leviticus 25. So, uh, again, here we go. Leviticus 25. I'm going to read through this section. You shall count seven weeks of years, seven times seven years, so that the time of the seven weeks of years shall give you 49 years. Seven times seven. Okay, there we go. Then you shall sound the loud trumpet on the tenth day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound the trumpet throughout all your land. And you shall consecrate the fiftieth year and proclaim, proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. When each of you shall return to his property, and each of you shall return to his clan. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee for you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of itself, nor gather the grapes from the undressed vines. For it is a jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You may eat the produce of the field. Verse 13. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his property. And if you make a sale to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor, you shall not wrong one another. You shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the jubilee, and he shall sell to you according to the number of years for crops. Uh, this is, I'll just pause here. In the Jewish culture, they actually uh, would get, get back the land that their family originally had uh, 50 years before. So you couldn't keep land for longer than 50 years. Wouldn't that be something? Imagine that. I think that could be good in our world with some greedy people, if you know what I mean. Anyways, okay, we'll leave that one alone. All right. Where would it, where did it stop there? Uh, okay, we'll just go from verse 17. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear, or I won't go there. Verse 15, you shall pay your neighbor according to the number of years after the Jubilee, and, sh- and 
he shall sell to you according to the number of years for crops. Verse 16, if the years are many, you shall increase the price. And if the years are few, you shall reduce the price. For it is the number of the crops that he is selling to you. You shall not wrong one another, but you shall fear your God, for I am the Lord your God. Verse 18, therefore you shall do my statutes and keep my rules and perform them. And then you will dwell in the land securely. The land will yield its fruit and you will eat your fill and dwell in it securely. And if you say, what shall we eat in the seventh year? It w- it, if we may not sow or gather in our crop. Verse 21, I will command my blessing on you in the sixth year so that it will produce a crop sufficient for three years. When you sow in the eighth year, you will be eating some of the old crop. You shall eat the old until the ninth year when its crops arrive. All right, there we go. So there's the whole picture. So Jesus, when he's speaking in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter, where was it? Luke chapter four, when Jesus is speaking there, He's uh, giving a prophetic word. He's saying, I'm the fulfillment of the prophetic word of Isaiah. Uh, And when Isaiah is talking about this, he's actually referencing the Jubilee year for the ancient Jewish culture. So here's our first thought today. Begin the year with fasting and repentance. That's what the year of Jubilee is. You begin the year with fasting and repentance. Now, before people think I'm super smart, uh, I didn't know that ahead of time. It just worked out that way, okay? Some of you are like, wow, he is good. No, it's, it's, if, if it looks good, it's because Jesus did it. It wasn't me. All right. Begin the year with fasting and repentance. The Hebrew tradition was to begin a year of jubilee with fasting and repentance. Yeah. Now listen to this. Uh, one, I read one commentator, and he said this. During that year, the people reclaimed the land that had been sold so that it would not go out of the control of the family or clan. So we already talked about that. Here's the next part. Any Jew purchasing property would calculate the price until the next year of Jubilee. So if you bought property, imagine calculating the, calculating the value for the next 40, 50 years kind of thing. So they would calculate the price until the next year of the Jubilee, when the land would revert back to the original owner. How much food it could produce in that time was a major consideration. As in the Sabbatic year, the land was to lie fallow during the year of Jubilee. The people would have to trust God to provide what they needed for the Sabbatic year, the 49th. The year of Jubilee, the 50th, and the 51st year when they would again plant seed. So in, this, in the midst of the year of Jubilee, there's actually this uh, waiting period. There's this resting period for the land. And if, you're, uh, if you grew up on farmland or you know anything about farming, you know that it's good for every, well, every seven years, basically, to let the land rest. But certainly in the 50th year, that's what happened, is the land would rest. Obviously, our world and culture operates differently But isn't that interesting how the ancient Jewish people operated in these days? I love how the people of God would have to trust God to provide what they needed for the Sabbatic year. So the year into the Jubilee, they had to trust God for what was provided. Ain't that what we're doing? We have to trust God to provide. Church, it's time for us to trust again that God would provide what is needed. Let me just say that again. It's time for us to trust again that God would provide what is needed. Now, don't do this if you don't want to, but raise your hand if you need something. It could be anything. A hug. I don't know. You need something. All right, good stuff. Whatever you need. We just, 
we all need something, but it's, it's impending. It's so important for us to trust God to provide what we need. That's the, that's the space we like to live in is how I would say, or we should live in. So our first thought was this, begin the year with uh, fasting and repentance. Our second part here is everything we have is the Lord's. This is our next thought. Everything we have is the Lord's. I know many of us identify with this statement for our personal lives, but I want to remind us that everything that we love and are thankful for about Northern Life Church is the Lord's. Everything. Even the chair I'm sitting in, Pastor? Yep. Even the ground I walk on? Yep. Even the microphone I'm hearing you through? Yep. It is the Lord's. Everything we have is the Lord's. Once upon a time, I had a gentleman come to me when I pastored in Toronto. And he meant well, but he couldn't have been more off base with his comments. In his mind... The pastor, this is what he told me, the pastor owned the church and therefore deserved to be treated better. In the case he was speaking about, yes, the pastor deserved to be treated better. But in terms of the ownership of the institution, he wasn't just incorrect legally, he was incorrect spiritually. Everything we have is the Lord's. Some of our kids like to joke with me, hey, Pastor Jay, I like your YouTube channel, because they, sometimes they watch me on YouTube it's not mine i'm just the guy on the screen that's it everything we have is the lord's everything the church is more than a building an institution a lifestyle a gathering place it is the bride of christ and jesus is coming back for it you can look at our church this way sometimes when we say church we just think about all the churches but if you look at church this way jesus is coming back for Northern Life Church. He's coming back for us. No, not just us. We know that much. But he's coming back for Northern Life Church. He is. I learned a long time ago that there is a healthy fear of God that we must have. Did you know that fearing God is okay? It's actually biblical for us to be afraid to fear God. It's, it's actually a biblical thing. And I learned a long time ago that it's healthy to have that. It, 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 the fear isn't a fear that we may know on this side of heaven. It's a fear that acknowledges his power and authority. You've heard me say it before, but when someone says, I just can't wait to see the face of Jesus. And I think, okay, like if you read the Bible, when you see Jesus' face, you actually can't look at him because he's so powerful. Like, and if, like, it's just... You know, Moses, when he met with God, he glowed. So he had to cover his head for the rest of his life. Like this, he just walked around with a head covering, not because he thought it was stylish. It's because he would be blinding people when he was, his face was so bright, he'd blind people when he was around them. That's how powerful God is. Just, just think of Moses in the tent with, in, up on the mountain with the nation of Israel below, and he's meeting with God, having conversation. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes, it's wonderful. But no one can ever look at you again. Ever. Ever. That's how powerful. It's one of the expressions of how powerful he is. Uh, Nikki Gumbel said this, The Spirit of God does not produce negative fear. There is a kind of healthy fear, the fear of God. 
This does not mean being frightened of God. In fact, it means the opposite. It is an understanding of who God is in relation to us. It means respect, reverence, awe, honor, adoration, and worship. It could even be translated as love for God. It recognizes the power, majesty, and holiness of God Almighty. It leads to a healthy respect of God and is the antidote to all other fears and phobias we experience in life. Fear God and you need not fear anything else or anyone else. That's the truth. If we fear God, we don't need to fear anything or anyone else. There's so much fear in our world. Right? You just, you know, know, I like to make fun of Facebook. You just open Facebook. Fear! It's just a scary place. Right? I open my news app to try to keep up to date with stuff. And there's every single article is just fear, 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 fear. And then they write about the Toronto Maple Leafs. More fear! (laughs) It's just, come on, it's just filled with it. It's not fear based on potential harm. It's fear based on his majesty and dominion. Which, which maybe you would say, I, Pastor, I do fear God. I know I cannot look at him. I know I cannot stand before his awesome power and presence. I would agree with you. We are to walk in the fear of the Lord. Now, this doesn't happen to everyone. I know some of you work in places where people cuss and swear all the time. Like, it's just, and some of you tuned it out because it's just like over the top. But to this day, whenever anyone uses the Lord's name in vain, I actually get a jolt through my body. And uh, especially if someone uses it in a real nasty way, I get a severe jolt. And you may think I'm exaggerating, but it happens to me because his name is so powerful that when we use it out of context, it has reverberations. I always like to, I learned this from uh, the Youth Alpha Course a long time ago. I like to say it. You never hear someone say, uh, use like Muhammad in their curse word or Buddha. Buddha, Buddha. You never hear that. It don't mean anything. It's just a word. But if you use the JC word in the wrong context, that's why we use it in, in, in whatever language. It's because it has power. If you say to your friend, why do you swear using the Lord's name in vain? Well, I don't know. I just do it. They do it because there's power in the words. Otherwise, we just use whatever. Elvis! Like, we, we don't say stuff like that. Like, come on. Muhammad Ali! No, it's just nothing. It's just dead people, right? It's nothing. We are to walk in the fear of the Lord. Here's our next thought today. These are all based out of Leviticus 25, okay? I'm not just pulling them out of thin air. These are all uh, uh, things that, uh, I should have prefaced it a bit. These are all things that uh, happened. Everything we have is the Lord's. That's in context to the land that would go back to the original owner. The God gave that land to the family. It would go back to the original owner. Everything we have is the Lord's. And then in the text of Leviticus, we see that slaves are set free. That's part of the context, you know, that slaves would be released. And here's something that we, we see slavery a little different. Well, there's still slaves that I'll get to that. But 
we see slavery a little different. So here's our point. Shame and addiction is released. Now, to my knowledge, nobody owns any slaves here, and I say that seriously, okay? But there are slaves in our world. Although we think in our part of the world that slavery isn't a big thing, there's more slaves in the world today than the entire transatlantic slave trade over those years. Think about that. There's more today than in all those years put together. There's an estimated 40.3 million slaves in our world today. And they go from the youngest to the oldest. Don't kid yourself. That's amazing. Some of us learned this week that we are slaves to sugar and caffeine. We, we learned that. I did. In the year of Jubilee, in the Hebrew culture, slaves were released so that families would be reunited. I believe God wants to spiritually release something in our lives so that we can be reunited with the people around us that we love. Maybe it's as simple as the release from the addiction to certain foods, right? Uh, we're just getting rid of that addiction to certain foods, whatever that may be. But maybe it's actually something deeper. Being addicted to certain foods is actually deep, but we won't go there today. But maybe I'm, I'm talking about a little something I'm hoping is a bit deeper. Being released from addictions that we've been pleading with God to be rid of for many years. I believe this is the year. Some of us need to be released from shame. We've been so caught up in the bondage of shame that we've actually never let it go. Maybe for our entire life. The same with addiction. We've been so caught up in whatever we're addicted to in this world that we've never released it. We've just held on to it. Too long has shame controlled your mind of something that happened a long time ago, maybe decades and decades ago. You see, church, Jesus carried our sin and shame to the cross. Church, we don't need to carry that sin and shame any longer. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, it's gone. The year of Jubilee is a reminder that the Lord is proclaiming a year of liberty for his people. There's freedom, like last year, there's freedom in Christ. The shackles and chains of our past have been removed, and each of us has been saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus. There is nothing that needs to attach you to shame and addiction from your past. Now, I know it's not as simple as me necessarily just speaking words, although that can help. But the truth is, shame and addiction, we don't have to go any further with it. And if you just need to shed light on it, here's what I'd encourage you to do. Tell one person about the shame and addiction in your life. Tell one person. If you tell it to me, I promise you I will take it to the grave. I don't care what it is. I'll take it to the grave. Because the truth is, when we shed light on one thing, it's, it's over. Darkness has no victory over it anymore. Darkness cannot coexist with light. It, it just doesn't operate that way. It can't work. Shame and addiction is released in the year of Jubilee. Here's our next one. When Jesus reigns. Now, you may think I've gotten this point wrong. Of course, Jesus does reign. Right? He reigns. Yeah, he does. But in our theme passage from Luke 4, we read in verse 19, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee. Okay, Jesus leaves out 
a part of this prophetic word from Isaiah 61. He actually stops before he finishes the prophetic word. In Isaiah 61, verse 2, it says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So that's what Jesus said. Great. And then the next part of the sentence says, and the day of vengeance of our God. That's the next part of what's said. Why does Jesus leave that part out? Well, Jesus didn't use these words because the day of judgment won't come until God has completed his promise. Acts 15, verse 14 says that God will take from them a people for his name. Aren't you glad that God has taken you as a people for his name? I'm glad. Woo! Come on! I'm, I'm excited. God is calling out a people for his name. I've read this scripture in the past, and I, I reference it regularly, so you probably know it and are sick of me saying it. But God does not intend for anyone to perish. Not one person. Well, pastor, they deserve it. Well, so do you, technically. But like, the truth is, is that he doesn't want anyone to perish. Not one. Not one person. Think of every person you know. He doesn't want any single one of them to perish. Not one. God is calling out a people for his name. This is really what God is doing today. He's calling people for his name. Even in Little Current, God is calling people for his name. Even in Little Current. In Espanola, he's calling people for his name. Across this region, don't mistake yourself. God is calling people to his name. As we are fasting and praying, I can see God's plan begin to come into alignment. This is a year where power and principalities are pushed back. That's what this year is. This is a year where the Spirit of God pours down on His people like heavy rain. Heavy rain. Now, if you were outside right now, you would not want to get wet because you'd freeze pretty quickly, right? But in the summertime, or if you're in a... a, a uh, tropical place when it rains it's sometimes it's a nice rain it's a nice a warm rain or a cool rain on cool rain on a warm day i want the monsoon season at northern life church when it comes to the rain of god i want we're calling him to pour down a heavy rain that's what uh the the year of jubilee that's one of the meanings of it is that god would pour his spirit upon his people this is a year of restoration in the Levitical text. In uh, Leviticus 25, we see that this is in regards to farming. Allowing the ground to rest and be restored is part of the year of Jubilee. Some of us, I believe, need a season where we rest in the Spirit of God and allow Holy Spirit to restore us. To make us stronger for what is ahead of us. I saw this picture online. I should have grabbed it so I could put it on the screen. It was a, a row of matches. And one match was pulled down in the row so that the red part of the match, the fuel, it, it wasn't there. And the matches were lit, and it stopped, of course, at the part where the match was pulled down. Do you know that some of us, we're just burning? We're just burning. Some of us have been going for years. and we're, I know I'm going off camera. Oh. We just, we go through the wall, we go through the brick, we just keep going. Some of us, I believe, need a season where we rest in the Spirit of God and allow Holy Spirit to restore us. 
I'm probably the first one. To make us stronger. It's, it's, it's not just to, to, to rest to do nothing. It's rest to make us stronger for what is ahead of us. And then we think of finances. Financially, the, ju- the Jubilee year in Jewish law was a time for financial resetting. We can see that basically wealth was moved around. Wealth was exchanged, uh, changed hands so that people would go back to their original properties and all that kind of stuff. In our personal finances, in our church finances, in our businesses, we can see that we in this world, we need a financial resetting. Right? And I'm not talking about the stuff you read on the weird websites. I'm talking about just a reset, a godly reset, when it comes to finances. Worship team, would you come forward? Today as we close, I want to take us to our final thought today. When Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns today. Did you know that? He does. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, waiting to be told when to return to this world. That's where Jesus is today. We know exactly where he is. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's waiting for his Father to tell him when the time is that he will come back. Jesus reigns now. He also reigns for eternity. Think about that. It's kind of a two things happening at the same time in a way. Jesus reigns now, but he also reigns throughout eternity. Just as Jesus brings good news to the poor, he's bound up the brokenhearted, proclaimed freedom to those who are captive, opened the prison to those in bondage. He's proclaiming the year of favor, the year of jubilee upon Northern Life Church. Jesus reigns, and he is calling out a people for his name. I believe the Lord Jesus is calling us today. You've heard it throughout this message. Maybe you're new or you're watching online today. Jesus is calling you. He's calling you. I invite all of us today to stretch out our hands in a moment, and we're going to declare this. So would you, uh, would you actually stand with me right now? And we're just going to kind of give a declaration over this year as we kind of, as a launching point as we move forward into 2024. And I just invite you to, with me, join with me, stretch out your hands. And we're just going to declare this as a prayer. The words will be on the screen if you can read them. We'll, we'll see it. But you can repeat after me. Throw that last slide up. Thank you, Hannah. Yeah, you probably can't read that. I'll, I'll, re, I'll feed you the lines. Jesus, you reign over this church, over these people, over my family, over my life. Jesus, today we ask that you would fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit to reach those around us who need you to save them. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, church, the year, stay saying, in the year of Jubilee, I can't wait to see what the Lord has in store for us this coming year. I can see that the Lord has many of us on journeys.
Do you know what I'm, when I think of your faces throughout the days and weeks and just, you know, whatever, just think about you and I'll think, oh God, just do something. I often think of how each one of us are on a journey. Many in our Northern Life Church family have grown in their faith over the past few years. I think that's amazing. One of the things I've learned about the Lord is how He continues to lead us and teach us more about Himself. Do you know that I have never stopped growing in my faith? I felt like it, sure. I you know, felt like, I don't know, whatever. Not today, Lord. Whatever, right? I've never stopped growing. There really is no end. There's, you cannot know God. You can't read the book. and Oh, that's, that was nice. That's good. No, we cannot stop getting to know Him. So I encourage you in this year of Jubilee, seek restoration in your life with others and with the Lord if needed. And allow the rain of the Holy Spirit to fall on you and permeate every area of your life. Every area. I'm going to close this time in prayer, and then Pastor Chris is going to lead us in God, I Look to You. This song we sang earlier, and it's a great fit for us today, just as we look to the Lord. I love looking to the Lord and just saying, God, you have my attention. You have my focus. You have my passion, my joy. I just love just saying, God, I look to you. You're where my help comes from. Just declaring that over our lives. So let's pray. So God, we just thank you today. Lord, I I thank you for a people that are spiritually hungry for new spiritual food. We're hungry for more of you, God. I declare that today, a hunger in our church. Lord, that as some of us hunger for natural food in this world, Lord, that we would all hunger for the spiritual food that you have set before us. God, there were multiple things said today in the year of Jubilee that I believe uh, speak specifically to certain situations at Northern Life Church in so many of our lives, whether at our Espanola campus, Little Current, or whoever's watching online today. God, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this chance, this year of Jubilee, this prophetic word you've given to us that this is how the year would unfold, Lord. God, that there would be restoration, Lord, that shame and addiction would fall away, that there would be a resetting in our finances, Lord, that there would be, uh, Lord, a, a time where we rest and return, Lord, to you. So, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you be with us. And, God, just as the song we sing off the top, Lord, you are the God of joy and peace, and I pray that those things are, are evident in our year as well this year. Because, Jesus, you reign. You reign, Lord Jesus. Nobody else reigns. You reign, Lord Jesus. And, God, today we're just grateful. We're honored. We're thankful to once again be gathered together in your presence. God, today I'm thinking of those who are living in countries where they cannot come together like we are today safely. They either do it in secret or they don't at all. Lord, we think of the church in Cuba who we're going to in just a few weeks, Lord. They are some of the people that cannot gather as we do today. So God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would burn with a hunger that we've never seen before for you.
is Jesus, you reign. Jesus, you reign at Northern Life Church. Jesus, you reign in this place. So we pray today, Father, would you come? Lead us today as we sing this song of praise and worship to you, O God. Pastor Chris.